You're listening to The Lodestar, the supply chain and logistics industry's leading source of insight. This podcast was created and produced by MK and Associates and your host, Mike King. Welcome back, all ye virtuous souls, and here's wishing you a jolly and productive 2023. And for those of you who prefer your calendar in lunar form, this is the podcast for you, because today we're looking at that strange time in the shipping and logistics year, when traditionally, ahead of factory closures for the Chinese New Year holidays, we have seen a spike in air and ocean demand and freight rates. But will tradition mean a thing in 2023? How long will factories stay closed? And what does the unwinding of China's zero COVID policy mean for manufacturers, international travel, air cargo and shipping supply chains, both in the coming weeks and in the year ahead? To answer those questions, today I'm joined by Flexport Air Guru, Neil Jones-Shaw, Senator Freight Rates Master, Peter Sand, and Shenzhen-based McKinsey partner, Steve Saxon. China actually did a better job of keeping supply chains moving during 2020, 2021 than some other countries did. So we actually saw, ironically, manufacturing shift back to China. But I think the diversification is now back on every agenda. Hello, I'm Mike King. Welcome back to the Lodestar podcast at the dawn of this new year. For any newcomers, all episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to contact me directly about anything, you can reach me on MikeKing121 at gmail.com. Today, as trailed, we're looking at Chinese New Year. The official holidays start on the 22nd of January, but how long factories stay shut is a matter of much debate, as we'll hear. What is clear is that the analytical waters couldn't be muddier in 2023 as the Lunar New Year approaches. And I'm not just talking about recessions in key import markets in Europe, the US and elsewhere, because China's zero COVID policy has been decommissioned, not least because of protests in November. Most notably, as we've reported on this podcast at Foxconn's Zhengzhou campus, which assembles iPhones for Apple, deliveries of which were delayed. Those who have wanted to boost a global growth and the removal of travel and trade restrictions in the world's second largest economy have been calling for the end of zero COVID policy for some time. Already, we're hearing reports of rising consumer spending. Many international and regional border controls have been swept away. Prices for inputs into manufacturing processes such as copper and oil have also started to rise on projections of greater demand from China. But on the flip side of this, as the pandemic is allowed to let rip, a healthcare crisis looms. How serious this is, is hard to confirm because reliable numbers are scarce. But we do know that vaccination rates among the elderly are low, and it seems the healthcare system was not prepared for this quick change in policy, which means how all this might play out and how disruptive it might be to labour availability, supply chains and manufacturers is shrouded in doubt. These are some of the questions we'll be addressing today. We'll also be looking at what air freight markets are doing ahead of Chinese New Year and what all this might mean for ocean markets after the spot market collapse of 2022. As trailed, I've got three fantastic guests joining me today. First up, I'd like to introduce Steve Saxon, who is a partner at McKinsey and & Company, and he really does have his finger on the pulse, calling in as he is from his base in Shenzhen 
in southern China. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the Lodestar podcast. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Steve, so um, let's get straight to this. Today, we're primarily discussing China and what impact Chinese policy will have on international trade, particularly around these forthcoming Lunar New Year shutdowns. But could you please set the scene for everyone? We've got these dual drivers we're all reading about that are very important for our industry. There's this relaxation of COVID rules and these benefits that that might deliver economically versus the economic and supply chain and healthcare issues that come with letting COVID spread. So I guess, firstly, what's the situation like on the ground in China at the moment? So it's been an absolute roller coaster few weeks, right? The announcement that China was going to move away from the zero COVID policy and basically live with it was a massive surprise. And certainly how quickly COVID has then spread and how quickly the restrictions have come down has been a, a huge surprise. I think as I talk now, 75% plus of the population in the major tier one cities has had COVID and it is spreading rapidly across the rest of the rural areas as well. Now that's obviously causing a huge healthcare crisis as we speak, and that's got to be foremost. The data is not widely available on it, but you hear stories of significant numbers of deaths and hospitalizations and China's healthcare systems are not strong. So kind of as we as we talk about supply chain today, we need to recognize that this is in the context of a humanitarian challenge. So Steve, are you anticipating because of this healthcare crisis, are we anticipating supply chain disruptions in the next few weeks ahead of those factory shutdowns for Chinese New Year from the 22nd of January as COVID spreads? And, and if so, how long will this likely continue as far as you can tell? Yeah, but the short answer, Mike, is no, right? It's done. It's history, right? The COVID spike was end of December, very first week of January, and it spread at China speed, right? And at that point in time, factories were having challenges. Maybe 40, 50% of workers in some weeks were out with COVID, but they've all caught it now and they're all back to work. So the factories that we know, the trucking, the ports, the supply chain is working normally here. And for global supply chains, it was lucky when it hit, right? It came at a period where it was after the holiday production period, at a time when exports, at least to North America, are 25% down from what they were a year ago. So it was not a period of significant stress in the supply chains in China. And so supply chains were able to cope with it. There might have been a few disruptions for a couple of weeks, but frankly, it's done. And as a result of this opening up, as McKinsey changed its view of China's economic outlook in, in 2023, as a result of this abandonment of zero COVID policy, and I guess more specifically, what do you think this means for international trade in terms of demand? Yeah, so it's got to be positive demand. So first of all, it improves domestic confidence. People are more comfortable to go out and spend money, visit malls and shop. And so that should get the domestic economy moving again. For international, I think last week we saw the, in the borders open, right? So actually international air travel is now possible again. And that's going to reinvigorate trade as well. People can come and visit their suppliers. The suppliers can go out. And I think that will help as well. In terms of those supply chains, we're already seeing signs of the prices of some import commodities increasing on the perception that demand from China will increase. Are you expecting 
exports to increase later on in the year, perhaps? So exports is mostly demand-driven rather than supply-driven, right? China has the supply ready. I think on exports in China, the question is going to be the global economy. So what happens with inflation? What happens between the share of consumer spending on goods versus services? Like we saw a big shift towards goods during the COVID in Europe and the US, but then the pendulum swung back towards services in the last six months. I don't think we're projecting a large spike in exports, right? Probably, probably moderate growth. Steve, you were very public recently talking about whether China's airports are really ready for a Hong Kong-like bounce back in demand now that quarantine regimes for international travelers have largely been dropped. Is that still a concern for you? So the airports and the airlines here are ready to come back. The aviation regulator here, the CAAC, required that all the airlines got the pilots retrained by the 6th of January this year. There are more than 200 wide-body aircraft, which are obviously important for both passenger and also cargo transport, ready to go from the Chinese airlines. And unlike airlines and airports in Europe and the US, there were not significant layoffs and furloughs here. Like 90% of those airport ground workers still have their jobs. And so China's actually ready to come back quickly with air capacity. The question is demand, right, on the passenger side. Demand is probably going to be slightly slower to return than, for example, we saw when Hong Kong dropped its quarantine restrictions. And that's because a lot of friction for Chinese people to travel internationally. China stopped renewing passports for the last two years. So around 20% of the population doesn't have a valid passport. They're now issuing those again, but that takes a few months. And then visas. Most Chinese people need visas to travel internationally. And again, that takes a few months to follow through. So I think by the summer, we'll see a significant ramp up in air capacity. Before that, it will be gradual. And presumably this has quite a, a big impact on the global air cargo picture, does it? It does, of course. At least historically, half of all global air cargo was carried in passenger bellies. And China is a, one of the few markets in the world where the volume of exports is so high that it demands greater aircraft. And obviously anyone who's been able to fly freighters into China in the last few years has made very nice profits indeed. The return of the bellies will naturally add capacity and therefore should push pricing back down as well, making it more affordable for shippers. I think probably for a lot of our listeners, we, we've heard so many different analyses of, of what Chinese policy was going to be in terms of COVID. And then we've had this big change. And as you've pointed out today, it's over in terms of, of supply chain planning. So are you saying absolutely that there's there's no healthcare crisis that could develop that would see a return to zero COVID policy? Is this done and dusted? Yeah, look, it's impossible to put this back in a bottle now, right? Shanghai, when it had tens of thousands of cases, was able to say, okay, right, everyone must stay home. Um, we in Shanghai lived through a lockdown of two and a half months where basically we couldn't leave our homes and China, through doing that, managed to return back to zero. But there's now millions of cases every day. It's just not possible to clamp back down on that and get back to zero. And finally, Steve, what's your take on when we might see that dreaded phrase, a return to normal? Does China go back eventually to a pre-COVID place in the world or has it, and, and perhaps the world and geopolitics, has it all changed too much for that to happen? And maybe more pertinently, is China still as attractive now for investors or for those sourcing product there 
as it was a few years ago. Or will we see these new words, friendshoring, China plus one, nearshoring? Will they start to have an impact on China's place in the world, particularly as an exporter? China is still by far the best manufacturing location for the vast majority of products. The expertise in manufacturing is here. There's still labor availability. The supply chains, right? Most complex supply chains, you want your suppliers close. And there's nowhere else which is close to being as competitive as China. That said, back in 2019, everyone was talking about diversification of supply chains because of risk issues. At that time, it was driven by tariffs and trade wars. During COVID, we actually saw manufacturing move back to China, right? China actually did a better job of keeping supply chains moving during sort of 2020, 2021 than some other countries did. So we actually saw, ironically, manufacturing shift back to China. But I think the diversification is now back on every agenda. And it's not being driven by cost. It's not being driven by a, a lack of capability in China. It's purely being driven by diversification and risk diversification. And so depending on your industry, people are looking at Southeast Asia. They're looking at India, South Asia, in some cases nearshoring, but that's rarer. Steve Saxon, thanks for joining me today on the Lodestar podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike. It's great to be on. Two of my main takeaways from that conversation with McKinsey, Steve Saxon, were that China is open for business and that we're going to see Chinese carriers back in international markets pretty soon. So we'll be seeing a much more normal air freight market, it would seem. But to discuss this in a little bit more depth, I'd like to welcome my next guest, who is making what I believe is his third appearance on the Lodestar podcast. It's Neil Jones-Shaw, who's the Executive Vice President of Air Strategy and Carrier Development at Flexport. Welcome back, Neil. Thank you very much, Mike. As always, it's a pleasure to be with you. I really enjoy these conversations. Neil, so uh, Flexport was reporting an uptick in demand in December out of Asia into the US, even as we saw rates softening slightly. Did that upturn continue through the new year and into January? Well, you know, from a Flexport perspective, we, we might have sort of bucked the trend a little bit from the industry because we started doing business with a couple of major shippers uh, towards the end of 2022 that had pretty significant impact on our overall volumes. And I would say that the, the overall trend has continued for us into January, but, but I would say from a macro perspective, we are definitely seeing softness in the market. I would say 2023 has come in like a lamb. And even though we're just two and a half weeks out from the start of CNY, we're not seeing any huge surge in demand for sure. And while at the same time, we've seen some capacity come back into the market, right? The usual holiday cancellations of freighters and all of that, those have been reinstated. So we've got quite a bit of capacity, demand that's relatively soft heading into CNY. And so I would say overall, a pretty tough air freight environment. Is there any chance of like a, a last final week bounce just ahead of that 22nd of January cutoff? I will never say never. I mean, you know, this this market has surprised me for the past three and a half years since we headed uh, into uh, 2020. I don't see a lot of signs for any sort of meaningful bounce. I think we might see a little bit of an uptick as we head into the holiday. But to be honest, a lot of shippers are already closed for the holiday. For CNY, they close right before Christmas. And they decided to remain closed through the middle of February just because they're sitting on a lot of inventory 
So they took the chance to take a two-month holiday. Two-month holiday, that's quite substantial. Uh, I think there was re reports in various outlets from shipping executives talking about maybe a one-month shutdown for Chinese New Year in, in terms of manufacturing in China, but you're talking about it may be possibly even longer for some. Yeah, I think it just depends on the vertical, right? It depends on how much inventory certain shippers had in their warehouses, both in Europe and the U.S. So it is very specific to individual companies and generally certain verticals. But yeah, we're hearing from a lot of our customers that they took sort of an eight-week holiday from manufacturing. Others are taking four weeks and others that are a short of product. And there are many consumer electronics products, right, that we're still certainly in backlog that are taking just a few days off over the holidays. So I think it sort of runs the gamut, Mike. But overall, what it's led to is a soft market and in all likelihood, a very soft Q1. And what's the situation on the ground at the moment in China, Neil? Are, are those airports ready for a, a lot more cargo and planes as that economy opens up? Yeah, I mean, it's good to see China open up. It's good to see some of the restrictions being eased. I mean, they're obviously dealing with a surge of COVID cases and, and things like that, that the rest of us have spent the last three years dealing with. But I would say overall, we believe that they will be ready as volumes come back, as capacity comes back. Clearly, the majority of the capacity that re-enters the market is going to be in the form of passenger airplanes, right? Freighters have been there through the pandemic and, in fact, at, at a much larger scale than they were pre-pandemic. Now, as passenger volumes ramp up, clearly, I, I think the airports are probably ready to handle that volume, certainly the big tier one airports. And we expect over the course of 23 to see more and more passenger capacity added back into the schedules, both for Chinese and U.S. carriers, for that matter. What does that extra belly hole capacity mean for that? global supply demand their cargo balance, but specifically looking at that trans-Pacific market? Yeah. I mean, look, belly capacity has been critical for overall supply demand, right? You know, if you go back pre-pandemic, bellies on a global basis provided 50% of the capacity. So they're an extremely vital component. And, and I believe that as more belly capacity enters into the trans-Pacific, it's going to give shippers, uh, it's going to give forwarders more options. It's going to give us more direct options. And it's going to keep probably a lid on rates, I would imagine, particularly given the softer demand environment. Now, as we progress through the year, we do anticipate demand will increase. So let's see how that plays out. I think if you try and forecast beyond the next three to six months, it really gets super difficult given the market conditions we have right now. So I'm just looking out three to six months and still looks like a, a buyer's market right now. I mean, already those rates are a lot lower than we saw during the COVID years. But according to TAC Index, freight rates are still significantly above pre-COVID norms. So you sound like your view is that that supply-demand balance is probably pushing those rates further down back to those pre-COVID levels. Is that what we're saying? No, I, uh, again, you know, I want to be clear here. I don't think we're going back to pre-COVID levels uh, on rates. I, I think those pre-COVID rates are unsustainable in today's cost environment, okay? You have jet fuel prices, which are significantly higher than pre-COVID. Even though crude has come back down, what people don't realize is that the crack spread or the refining spread has gone significantly higher. And so jet fuel prices are significantly higher than they were pre-COVID. That's a cost that needs to be borne by the carriers and hence the forwarders and the shippers, right, that use those airlines. You also have had a lot of inflation of other costs, pilot costs, landing costs, 
everything other consumable in the business has gone up and inflation has been the headline for the past two years. So I don't think we're going back to pre-COVID rates. I think rates are going to settle between 35 and 50% higher than they were pre-COVID. And that's probably the right level where the industry can enjoy, let's say, long-term viability and overall consistent margin performance for both the asset owners, as well as the forwarders, as well as the shippers. Air cargo during the COVID period, it benefited to a degree because there was very little space available on ships and also the prices that went through the roof and the reliability was woeful. I'm not going to say the reliability is brilliant right now, but obviously those spot rates have fallen off a cliff more or less on the shipping side. Have you seen a, a migration of cargo back to ocean a bit? Has that already happened or is that something you're factoring in for 2023 as we look ahead? You're exactly right. I mean, you know, the ocean market has fallen back to pre-COVID levels for sure. The spot market rates you can see on the Trans-Pacific now are, are very, very low. And even contract rates are now starting to follow that very similar trend. And reliability has increased. You know, you don't have the long lineup of ships off of Long Beach or any other port that we had during the COVID time. So rates are down. Transit times are, are down as well. Ocean's a pretty good deal right now. And so I think any shipper that can utilize ocean services is doing so. Why would you pay for air freight rates if you can get a reasonable transit time and it can meet the needs of your business on the ocean? So I, I don't anticipate a surge of air moving to ocean. I, I think whatever should be on the water has been moved to the water. Right now, what we're seeing flying is that's traditional air freight. And it's stuff that was never on the water before, and it's not going to be on the water going forward. So we've already reverted back to some of those norms. One of the norms that we haven't reverted back to, or, or maybe we have, depends how you look at it, is uh, U.S., well, the U well, the global economy. But let's look at the U.S. That's your home market. What's your view on the U.S. economy or that demand situation? We seem to have this mixed picture of domestic consumption, retail sales seem to be performing okay, depending who you listen to. But then there's also slowing e-commerce sales. How are you viewing it when you look at that demand side? The U.S. economy has been incredibly resilient, actually. I mean, you know, we've definitely seen a slowdown in demand for sure. But you anticipate that with all of the interest rate hikes and, and as they are trying to fight inflation, that we would have seen the economy decelerate even more. And it just hasn't happened. In fact, we had an employment report today that was very strong, over 250,000 new jobs created. In spite of, you hear the headline layoffs, Amazon 18,000, Salesforce 10% of their workforce, there are layoffs that are happening. However, the economy still appears to be quite resilient. And so uh, our hopes are that while we get a soft landing here, that the Fed doesn't overcorrect and that we avoid a protracted sort of recession. And if we can do that, I have really, really high hopes for the fourth quarter of this year. I think it could be really strong, particularly as in inventory levels get worked down and people start feeling better about their future. I think we're going to start to see some demand coming back and the end of 23 and 24 could be quite robust, actually. Neil jones Sharp, thanks for joining me today on the Lodestar podcast. Thank you, Mike. And finally, on this episode of the Lodestar podcast, let's turn to shipping and who better to chat to for an update than Zenith's chief analyst Peter Sand. Happy New Year to you sir. Happy New Year to you Mike and brilliant to get back and our heads around the shipping market following 
10 days of festive holidays. So it's, uh, it's good to be back on the show. Thanks for having me again. No, it's, it's always a pleasure. It has been a while. I'll have to say quickly, obviously, we're not going to talk about club football because your team Bayern Munich is doing really well and my <laughs> team Liverpool's having a disaster. So, um, World Cup, very quickly, what happened to Denmark? Did you win any games at all? It was terrible. So I can't say anything but that. We dropped well-deserved from 10th spot down to 18th on the FIFA World Cup rankings. And I guess that says it all. We lost. We got one point. Total devastation. So now we're looking forward to the next European Championships and forget about all, all that World Cup stuff. Yeah, it was all disappointing in the end, wasn't it? It didn't really matter how it went. We beat Wales. Well, that was it. That was that almost cost me a divorce anyway. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, let's forget the World Cup. We'll move briefly on. Right, shipping. We've heard a lot already today, Peter, about the situation in China and the build-up to Chinese New Year. What has happened on those outbound rates to the US and, and Europe over the last month? And where are those spot rates compared to a year earlier or maybe even compared to pre-COVID? Yeah, Mike, in, in short, Literally all the main trades out of Far East are down approximately 80% from a year ago. And if we put that down in uh, US dollars per EBU terms, I mean, let's start on the Trans-Pacific where rates are actually back at pre-pandemic levels, around 1600, 1650 for a box moving from uh, the Far East Maine into to the US West Coast. Of course, there are still issues on the US uh, West Coast, but, uh, but then again, the spot rates are definitely back, but they are also significantly down. 9,500 a year ago on that trade. If we move to the other side of the coast, moving from uh, Far East Asia into the U.S. East Coast, we have right now spot rates around $3,000, slightly above where they were pre-pandemic at 2,800, but significantly down, just being shy of 12,700 a year ago. And at that point in time, of course, we were also talking about priority shipment fees that were all on top of that. That, of course, goes for all trades around the world and something that added five, ten thousand 10,000 per box on top of that just to get a secured equipment and a secured departure for your goods. So, so spectacular times. Finally, of course, moving from China into uh, to Europe, we are right now with a spot market at 2250 Still some $500 up on the pre-pandemic levels but down from 8,000 a year ago. So I think it's fair to say that right now we are actually across the board, depending, of course, with the variances from, from one liner to the next, below break-even levels. So it's bleeding for the carriers in the spot market right now, Mike. And it really throws the ball into the court of the carriers. Now, what really caught my eye, Peter, in over the festive season, but really in the build-up through December, is we had very different takes from carriers as they were talking about Chinese New Year, which obviously traditionally provides a mini peak for shipping. Now, one CEO, Jeremy Nixon, said that China's factories might close for as long as four weeks for Chinese New Year, and he predicted a soft first quarter. Elsewhere, we heard other carriers talking up the market, Evergreen hiked some rates on the Transpac in late December, or it tried to. There are also reports of congestion building up at some Chinese box hubs, possibly linked to rising COVID infections. So what's going on? What are lines up to? And more importantly, what should customers be expecting in the next few weeks? First up, I think uh, the carriers uh, tried what they could, but failed fairly miserable. They all pushed for uh, general rate increases uh, by mid 
December by a thousand dollars across the board, literally. And they tried to do the same around New Year's Eve. We did see just a little bit of uptick on some of the trades, but it easily faded. I mean, uh, in the in the first week of, of January, it has all faded. And I must give also a little bit of, of credit to, to Jeremy Nixon. Of course, that statement comes on the other side of the abolishment of the zero COVID policy in China, which is definitely the game changer right now. And I must say, of course, that things can still get worse in China, not only from a public health perspective, but certainly also from a manufacturing industry perspective. And right now, when we at Seneta look at the, the trade data also coming out of China, we saw the COVID situation worsening. We have reported on that. We have also discussed that earlier, Mike, with rolling lockdowns across the board, perhaps not with a huge focus on the terminals and ports, which have been operating fairly normally during the COVID years. But then again, that's beyond the point when people are hit by COVID and cities are locked down. So we saw already back in September and October, exports out of China go very low, actually into reverse to the US and to Europe. And that was definitely beyond the grain of the major trends that we saw, for instance, exports out of Europe into US. So what we expect at Sineta for the run-up to Chinese Lunar New Year is literally that, that they will empty the inventories of finished goods. We will see workers not necessarily not being at the factories and visiting their families, but not being at the factories due to, well, COVID infections or something else. So we're definitely expecting that the export out of China will be hampered for a considerable amount of time. And the COVID situation is likely to top the Chinese Lunar New Year traditional uh, disruptions that we tend to see. So I think that's to say that this normal traditional peak season can be called off to, to some extent. There is no massive rush for shippers around the world or importers in the US or North Europe get more goods in, even though some of those that are perhaps most scared uh, realize that in this is an extraordinary uncertain situation We'll need to push those goods through the systems. But I think we're in for, uh, say, a non-event in terms of a traditional peak around the Chinese Lunar New Year. So, Peter, you're saying it, it, this is very much a demand story as we look beyond Chinese New Year. Are you expecting a lot more blanks from carriers? I think that would be the first tool that they will reach for in their toolbox. Later, we will definitely see also cold and hot layups as we move further into the first half of the year, which in Sinella's view, is the one where we will hit the rock bottom before some sort of, say, recovery still in very negative territory for the second half of 2023. Uh, so definitely uh, lots of blankings. We're already seeing that to the extent of some 25% of, of announced capacity. But then again, it's not normal in that sense, but it has become like the name of the game since the early days of October. And September also, when literally volumes uh, started to fall on main trades to the extent of 20 and 30%. So, so that is something that we should definitely expect a lot of in the coming uh, weeks, blank sailings on all trades. So we're already looking into the second half of the year. We're looking at a summer peak season and we're looking at improvements from the big buying economies from Europe, from the US. Is this what would change this market? That supply demand balance that's looking very poor from a carrier perspective, at least as we're looking through into the later part of the year? No, I think uh, the jury isn't out anymore. This year will be one where the uh, capacity injection due to easing of congestion and due to a low level of demand will definitely be favoring global shippers as we will go into a, a negative development for demand. 
and a very positive one, or at least a fast growing one on the supply side. So that one will be a balancing out. When I talk about the second half of the year, it is definitely where we expect things to get somewhat less terrible in that sense, uh, because I guess you are also aware that our expectations for volumes that will be moved this year is likely to be in negative territory between zero and minus two and a half percent. So we are definitely in a year where the capacity management by carriers will be the prime tool that will present them from or prevent them from losing a lot on on the spot market. But fortunately, I guess those carriers that uh, that have a a clear strategy, also securing a lot of long-term contracts in the market in general, but definitely also in, in recent months and quarters, as short as they may be, because of course, that's a part of the risk management by many shippers also, that they do not sign multi-annual deals or annual deals for that matter, when the markets are falling rapidly. But of course, it will somewhat cushion the uh, pure spot market players amongst the carriers that are likely to see a full year of loss-making uh, business. And those contract rates are presumably uh, catching up with those spot rate declines uh, hand over fist, are they? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, another customers that, uh, that buy the extra juicy product from us will be able to see that, uh, that those shippers that right now push the most for getting uh, the good deals with the carriers are actually quite close to matching the spot market right now. It's not where the average market is on the main trade, so that's still somewhat above the spot market. But if you're really putting yourself in there and focusing very much on your bargaining experience and your negotiations, we definitely see that there are main shippers out there capable of getting a long-term contract that looks like a short-term break. Peter Sand, thanks so much for joining me again on the Lodestar podcast. Always a pleasure, Mike. Take care. I'd like to thank TAC Index, the Lodestar's air freight data provider, and Zenita, our sea freight data supplier. Big thanks to my editing team, Karen Ball and Tom Matthews. And most of all, gratitude to you all for listening. We'll be back soon.